Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Blossom's Truth Podcast. I have with me today Mr. Chad Ford from Brothers Good Brothers Committee Committee Podcast. We just said this, and I still messed it up. But um, I am grateful to be able to speak with you today in regards to my book or books, because we could talk about both. So whatever you are interested in, you know, let's dive in and see where we go. I'll follow your lead. So, um, first off, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. God is, God is good. God is amazing. That is always great. Um, let's dive in. So, from, let's see, let's talk about the first book, uh, Live Freely, Laugh Often, Love Always, But mm-hmm. Live Truthfully. Mm-hmm. What were your takes of the book in whole and like what specific pieces did you cater to the most? Um, what I found, me being a counselor and trainer, mm-hmm. it was to me a great piece to allow people to see themselves for who they are. It mm-hmm. was very truthful, it was very um, real, and it applies to the to the um the things that are going on in everyday life. If you allow yourself to be seen mm-hmm. in that light, you have the chance to transform yourself. And I thought that the transformative pieces, like when words don't form, mm-hmm. that was powerful to me. Because sometimes we get in situations where we become overburdened, overwhelmed, disappointed. Right. And we don't have the words to express it. That's true. But the first piece to me were both books together, it the progression of the pieces. Mm-hmm. That was that was powerful for me because it went from like the stages of life, from childhood, mm-hmm. adolescence, adulthood, different stages of life, marriage, right. relationships. So that was very powerful for me. Again, if anyone allows themselves to be able to look themselves in the mirror and truly look at them for who they are, it can teach you. So that was a very powerful thing. That's good. I'm glad that you you mentioned the, the transformation because I don't feel uh, a lot of people really get, like got that from my writing. Like Just like, what is it about? I'm like, you really just have to read it in order to understand like the different levels that I actually wrote in and the different lights that I actually wrote in. Because a lot of people just dive in and like, oh, it's a poetry book. Like, I would just go through and pick apart pieces. And, I mean, you can, yes, but it's good to read through it in a whole and, like, really, like, grab some things out of it. Because it was meant to be a a learning piece. It was a learning piece for myself. But not only that, for for others to know that, you know, you're not the only person that's going through these things. So, yeah. Yeah, like, for instance, in, in, in the second collection... Like blurred lines and the truth about you, grief, finding me, shattered pieces really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one in the chapter three, redefined, you can never say I didn't love you. That that one, I actually used this mm-hmm. um, in a counseling session before, uh, to be honest. And because the person... Love this person so much mm-hmm. that that person blamed themselves for what did not work. Right. Compared to the good that was worked. 
Right. All the parts that they had already experienced and been through and done. And then that created an even more broken person mm-hmm. in the end. Um, so that, that comes from that comes to being able to accept yeah. what it is and, and be able to accept what it is not. That is true. So that then it said even for me, that resonated for me because being able to love someone and not receive that same Energy back in yeah. Exactly. So Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, new vision, transformation, suffering, the process of transformation, re recovery. Right. Is transformative. That so, is true. Powerful pieces again that can teach. What um if you had any poem that was in it could be the first or the second book. Uh, that you would kind of like take as uh, I would say not even day to day, but like every so often you feel like you have to like go back and revisit which which one would it be? It isn't a poem in the second in the second um book. You did something that was very unique. You you created uh, statements. Oh yeah. After certain. After the different parts, yeah. And and one was I cannot get mad at someone who do not respect me. When I do not when I do not respect myself enough to address their actions and words towards me. And that was powerful. And a lot of times we get to this notion of not I just won't say anything. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older myself, mm-hmm. I got a few words for you. <laughs> right. You might not like it. You might not like it, but yeah, I'm going to tell you. I'm gonna tell you, tell you the whole truth. Yeah. yeah. So that that was one. And it was one more that um, I lost the marking. Oh, that's fine. Why, well, while you look for it, like my main thing when I was writing The Roots of Her, which is the second book, mm-hmm. um, I went through a time period where I felt like I was being challenged to, for one, not complete the book, but also be distracted from, you know, what I actually seen in the works of the book. So it was more so, you know, how you have those people who will try to, like, dim your light on your biggest day. Like, Mm -hmm. it could be a celebration or something that's coming up, Mm -hmm. and... For some reason, they find a way to try to ruin that day for you. Like, no matter what, they can say that they care for you. But then when it comes down to them supporting you, that love is not shown. It's not there, you know, anything. So, yeah, that's that's where that saying. And then just the interjection of those pieces throughout the book. That's where it came from. Yeah. And, And that's powerful. And the other one was being a part of the table. And not the reason it is there. The round table is where you do not get comfortable. The round table is where you speak up and out. Yep. You know, and that's being different. Yeah. That's being standing apart. That's being, that's creating the element of sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable. That's true. And if you are comfortable, that means you're stagnant. Yeah. And you're complacent. And yeah. I was there for a long time. And now, it's different for me. Yeah. So I can imagine other people out there. Again, that's one that I've used before. Yeah. And uh, 
this particular client again, of course, because of confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Basically, he was like, you know what? You're right. I have a voice. Yep. Use it. Yep. And that's something pretty, we pretty that's something much. we we don't truly get to. Um, and I'm not gonna say we we don't get to. It's like as children, um, like in correlation with the round table, I wrote the brown table. Mm-hmm. So the brown table specifically refers to like how we're sitting here at a brown mm-hmm. table now. Right, right, right. Like childhood, anybody house that you went to, mm-hmm. they had a brown table for family dinners. If it was any other color, we probably wonder what was wrong with them. It was nothing wrong with it. It's just a, I guess it's just a culture thing, you know. Yeah. So I took that mm-hmm. as, you know, we go from everybody's brown table is not as cohesive as one may think mm. is not always together yeah. is not always love is not always happy things sometimes it's terrible moments sometimes people are you know just going through life we never know what a person's going through unless you sit down at the brown table and talk to them because that's where we mostly had our talks like growing up On yeah sometimes we don't actively listen that true that is true. That is true. And so the round table came about when referring to work. Because all tables at work, they're not always square. I mean, they're not always round either. But I consider it as a round table because you have a, a group of coworkers, a group of people that you're working with. Right. And as you have to form this circle, this bond or, you know, what have you in order, excuse me, mm-hmm. to be able to come to common grounds and be able to work together. And you got to learn to speak up when necessary instead of fading back. Because I think we do that a lot. So it's just like, well, that's not my job. Like, it doesn't matter, but it's your job to speak up. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, and and like I said, reading this, and I'm very grateful that um, I bought the the book. I'm great that God put this on your heart to write. How did the book, these works, affect you? Personally. Um, you're talking about like as far as writing them or just, just forming everything put know, together. How, how did it affect you? How did it change you? What were the feelings? Were you triggered about certain events, maybe to your own life? Yeah. Um. I would say in the first book, it was more so like a collective of pieces that I had been writing, like I went through a lot of people know and some people don't. Like I went through a lot of trauma as a as a child. Mm. And really I could have spoke up and I could have said something, but honestly, because of how the trauma came about, the people who did it, like, they were supposed to be protecting me. Right. So it's like, well if I say something like how I know somebody really gonna believe me. Even though I I totally go against that now, you know, I wish I would have trusted, you know, the whole process within itself. But um, I would say, like, towards the end, like, but live truthfully, that was the most triggering part because I could no longer hide in my trauma. Like, I could no longer sweep it under the rug. Um, At that time, like, um, I had been divorced a couple years Mm -hmm. and... I lost my childhood best friend and me and her had multiple talks and this prior to her death like she was telling me like you know we don't live forever and she was like you sitting on pieces and stuff and she was like why don't you trust yourself to you know to write 
And I was trying to tell her, like, oh, I'm not ready. You know, I don't think people will really be receptive of what I have to say. And she was like, you don't know until you try. She was like, you won't get to do it again, you know, right. if you die. Like, what what can you do? You die, you ain't coming back. So, and it really, like, triggered me because about five months after our conversation about that, we talked in between there and, and visiting things. But after that, she died. Right. That December. Right. And so it was like, okay, then COVID happened. And then it's like when COVID happened, we all were kind of like stuck to deal with things that we didn't really think we would have to deal with. So all that junk that I swept up under the rug, all that stuff that I had to like, or I was trying to do away with, like it was just like haunting me because I had nothing else to do. Like, once you clean your house, how many times are you going to clean it? You know, once you read these books, how many more times are you going to read them to try to avoid dealing? So that's what the first book pretty much put me in the path of. It was in the path of dealing because I had went through um, therapy. I strongly encourage therapy um, at all times. Went through that and I just had to, like, take a step back and take a step like and look in the mirror for real like it's something that I've always done to like center myself but then it's like now you have children like you have to really like live this truth in order to be healthy for them so but live truthfully like that entire section was a trigger point for me because I had to live truthfully in order to get those pieces out in order to write it and it took me a while because really this that first book I wanted to release that when I was in college. That was back in 2013, 2012. That's but I didn't. Two years ago. <laughs> exactly. I didn't release it because I was afraid of my own self. Then again, it also wasn't completed in my eyes because it was totally different. It wasn't even sectioned off. Like it was just all together, all jumbled up. But then when I looked over it, mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense to me. It's just like, I don't think people are really going to grasp what I'm trying to say with this piece. So I took my time and I sectioned off each one. And I actually wrote, I actually took a couple poems out because it didn't fit no longer in my story and what I was trying to write. So what are the poems are now? Uh, they're in archives. <laughs> they are, uh, they're still in my journals. Um, I still have a couple of them. It wasn't that many. It was probably like maybe three So you don't feel that they're applicable? I mean, they are, just not right now, though. Okay. They may be, like, because I am working on a third book, um, and I feel like the structure and how I will write that one, mm-hmm. those will be the pieces for that. I get you. So, yeah. So, where, so where are you now as, as being your, the mentality, your, your feelings, your feelings towards the environment? What I mean by your environment, it means your total self. Right. How, how are you feeling holistically, mind, body, and soul? Um, I can say I am. I'm healed, but I've also gone through some things like after getting past a lot of other things, mm-hmm. and so it's like right now holistically, like I'm okay. okay. I can't say that I'm great. I'm great because I'm alive. I'll say that, okay. but as far as just trying to figure out those minute pieces is like I'm still trying to figure it out but maybe it's just not meant for me to actually figure it out like um before I came here to talk to you Mm. I got a phone call 
but a phone call from this person that is a part of my trauma. So I kind of like slipped into place almost like prior to getting here. Like I was riding, you know, just driving, listening to music and just like for some reason I'm like, no, I'm not going to allow this to take control of me. So I take control of my emotions a little bit more. I speak Mm -hmm. out a lot more and I take up for myself in places that I always probably wouldn't have. I probably would have ignored it and just, you know, kept their rug there to sweep, sweep, sweep. You, you, you mentioned the minute pieces. To describe uh, for your listeners, what are those minute pieces? So that would be more so like when it comes down to just trying to figure myself out. Like, do I actually like do I love people genuinely? Am I mentally OK to? be able to hold these conversations with people like even though I'm telling them I'm mentally available am I really because sometimes you know you could be mentally available at that moment then after you talk to the person it's like oh transparency okay now it's taxing on me too what do I do with that um and just overall life itself just making sure that I have a pathway for my children and making sure I'm not just steering and driving down these lanes and not getting anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could choose something for ourselves or something could be chosen for us, but how long do you stay driving on that lane before you realize it's not something for you, you know? Okay. So that's that's something I'm trying to like really figure out, put the pieces together about that. So those minute things, it's just, to me, it's small things, but it's a bigger picture to the small things, right? Yeah, sometimes the small things are can be very paramount. Yeah. And you mentioned something about the destinations and driving. What what place are you trying to arrive to? What's your destination? Full peace. Full peace. Full peace. Like not getting a phone call and feel a certain type of way. Not thinking of this or thinking of that or still having dreams. Like that stuff that I cannot control wholeheartedly, but I want to be able to, if those things happen, I'll be okay. You know, that's stuff that I still suffer with. I'm 32. Like this happened over 20 something years ago, you know, and I also, I read something and I don't even know if I'm quoting it correctly, but I read something the other day. It was like, nobody can really tell you, you know, how you are to deal with your trauma is never too like it was not too small of a thing to deal with it's never a time limit when it comes to dealing with trauma and I really had to like look at that and really like study that for myself because I used to be like well you know I'm I'm this old like I shouldn't be feeling this way like I'm not that little child no more but in all honesty, yes, the little child is still within you. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. And and again, you said some some great words when it comes to trauma because what a lot of us don't understand about trauma, especially in the African American community, is trauma also causes grief. That's true. You know, and trauma, uh, just like grief, can be long standing. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's being able to acknowledge the existence and being to accept. Yeah. But also being able to say, hey, it's here, it's there, that's that. Right. I'm here, I'm going there. Right. So that's that's very powerful. And I'm pretty sure your listeners will appreciate those words of being so visible and in the moment right here yeah. right now. So 
Because that's, that's something I feel like we don't do as much. We we try to hide things that happen to us because, for one, we feel embarrassed. Well, we shouldn't even be embarrassed about that. It's not anything that you could have control. And even the things you can control, only you are the person that's able to, to make those decisions. Right. And, I mean, if you're making the decision, you can't really just be embarrassed about it. You got to uphold what you've done or what you're choosing to do, rather. Right. So, with that being said, um, how, what, what do you want your readers and your listeners to take from your works? Um, my main objective is to know that, you know, y'all aren't alone with dealing with things, no matter what level it may be on. And to be honest, a lot of my writings, like it's not catered to just one specific thing, like grief, like I've, I've mentioned before, grief is, it could come in levels of friendships, jobs, family members, um, just a a grief of self, a person that you used to be, and you're no longer that person, and you're trying to, like, move on. Like, grief is not just about death. It is death of situations. That's how I look at it. But it involves death, and it also involves situations and, you know, levels. So I would say just, you know, read those pieces and take them for face value when it comes down to just being able to to continue to live it's not easy being able to you know go through things and everybody around you you they're not really understanding um sometimes we don't like you like you mentioned when the words don't form that was a time where i was really suffering and i really didn't have anything like everybody are you okay and like i couldn't even answer them correctly cuz i really did not know what to say, you know? So when I wrote that, that's what I was going through. And then later on, it was because of me hurting, like, and I didn't know what to say. So it was two different levels of where that, you know, came from. So, you know, know that, you know, it's always someone there in your corner rooting for you. You're not the only person to go through things, not dimming the light of anything that you have, but just know you have a support system. You know, right. you just have to let people know and let people in. And that could be the hardest thing to do because once we trust somebody, you know, we know what that trust and being failed at trust looks like. But I mean, you got to give people a chance because you can't battle these. You can't battle these things alone. We could try. But in all honesty, you know, you're not going to really be successful by yourself. As the old saying goes, I guess everybody needs somebody sometimes. There you go. Yeah. So, So, again, I can't um, tell you enough how grateful um, that God put this on your heart to do. Because it's it's a grand opportunity for people to be transparent. It's a grand opportunity to really be uh, have self-inflection do self-inflection retrospect about such situations and also be retrospectful about who you are what you've done right and and still know you have the opportunity to change that's true 
you know, that, that old saying goes, is, is twofold for me. Um, they say times bring about a change, but something, sometimes things change yet remain the same. Yeah. So this taught me that you can change. You can be who you are. Right. And be and live in your truth. Mm-hmm. And accept your truth. Right. So, um, God bless you, man. And, and just keep, keep, keep doing God's work. Most definitely. Keep doing God's work. I really appreciate you taking out the time to talk to me and ask me questions and, you know, just pick my brain and, you know, about my writings and things and just overall. So I really greatly appreciate you for everything. My for pleasure. sure. It's my honor, my privilege. All right. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who listened. I appreciate you guys. For those who are new, welcome. For those who are coming back, you are greatly appreciated. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back for the next episode.